to Myth Monsters. My name is Erin and I'll be your host for these little snack bite podcasts on folklore and mythological monsters from around the world. These podcasts focus on the actual cryptids, folklore and mythic monsters from global mythology rather than focusing on the full stories of heroes and their big adventures. I'll also be dropping in some references that they have to recent culture and where you can see these represented in modern day content so you can learn more and get as obsessed as I am about these absolute legends of the mythological world. This is our third episode. How exciting! I hope you're enjoying this as much as I am. I'm having a whale of a time, honestly, which kind of relates to today's monster. We're going to the ponds, specifically the Highlands of Scotland. Today we're looking at my absolute favourite mythological creature, the Kelpie. These are Scottish or Gaelic folklore shape-shifting water demons who interact with people as horses by Scottish locks, riverbanks or streams. They live in these bodies of water waiting for people to approach, feeling sympathy for the animal's loneliness. And before you ask, I did horse riding for like three years, but I am not a horse girl, I'd just like to make that clear before we go any further with this. They would appear as these lonely horses and seem very enticing by, let's say, a child playing by the water. There are two ways you can tell a Kelpie from a normal horse. That its hooves are backwards and that it has a wet mane. Some variations even have Kelpies with manes of snakes, but it's not particularly widespread. When they enter the water, their tails make a sound like a lightning bolt, and they also howled when approaching storms were coming, so they were kind of helpful to their community in some form of way. Oh, I forgot to mention that they have the strength of 10 horses. They are unbelievably powerful and really know how to play up to their appearance with their tricksy nature. They could even use the water to create massive waves to sweep their prey into deeper waters, leaving the person to drown. I mentioned that they're shapeshifters, but their default form is a horse, the other is a human. They've been reported as both male and female, however they will be seen as wet. Jokes aside people please, would you prefer me describe them as moist? I didn't think so. They also have seaweed in their hair. Female Kelpies are described as unbelievably beautiful, whilst the male Kelpies more come across as old, very hairy sailor bloke types with whiskery beards and often found muttering to themselves. Now this sounds all very fantastical, and perhaps, if you're into that, even nice, but let me tell you what Kelpies did to people. When the unsuspecting person would mount or even touch the horse, the creature's mane and fur would become as sticky as tar, leaving the victim helpless to dismount. The Kelpie will then drag the victim to the bottom of the body of water, drown and eat them. Imagine that. Wouldn't want to feed that pony, would we? In their human forms, the male Kelpies jump out at lone travellers on deserted roads to crush them to death with a vice-like grip. Female Kelpies are depicted as being seductive and hypersexual. They take the form of a beautiful woman and lure men to their deaths by drowning them. Then they eat them too, obviously. So how do you survive a Kelpie attack? When some tales striking the suspected Kelpie made it regain its horse form and run away. Otherwise, if you stole its bridle whilst it was in human form, you gained mastery over it. In some stories, women stole the bridles from male Kelpies. This had a similar effect to stealing a selkie skin, another amazing Scottish slash Faroese myth monster that we'll cover in another episode. This forces the male Kelpie to marry the woman who has the bridle. So it's very much, you know, there's a pretty extreme, completely laughs at the idea of consent, but it's indefinitely preferable to using Tinder. 
In some stories, cutting off the bridle whilst it was in Kelpie form removed its source of power. If you didn't return it, broke it, or destroyed it, the Kelpie would die within 24 hours, which I think is actually kind of sad. You could also turn someone into a horse by waving the bridle menacingly at them, and I wish this was a joke, but apparently this was actually a thing within Kelpie folklore. You could even tame a Kelpie. If it had no bridle or saddle, you could tame it by having a cross-stamped halter and then using it as a normal horse. But remember, it has the strength of 10, so it's very handy for moving very large objects. One specific story about this talks of a Kelpie captured by the Lord of Morphe. The Lord harnessed the strength of the horse form Kelpie by using a halter stamped with the sign of the cross. The captor forced the Kelpie to carry heavy stones to build his castle, and when the work was complete, the Lord released the Kelpie, who was understandably very unhappy in its treatment. The Kelpie then cursed the Lord of Morphy, a reason popularly believed to explain the extinction of this famous Scottish family tree. There's a lot of really, really good stories about Kelpies that live in Scottish folklore. In another, a man needs to cross a river to reach his dying wife, but a huge rainstorm has flooded the river and completely washed away the bridge. The man bursts into tears and breaks down, unable to get across to his family. All of a sudden, another man approaches him and offers to carry him across the river. The man's clothes are wet up to his armpits, so it seems to convince our main man that he has a way of getting across unscathed. The bloke very literally picks up our dude and attempts to chuck him off into the raging torrent. The man manages to hang on and both of them end up at the bottom of this river. He then lets go of the stranger and pegs it for his life. Pissed AF, the Kelpie pulls a rock from the riverbed and throws it about 80 yards after the man. From then on, it was known as the Kelpie Stain and actually still exists in Aberdeenshire. It's also known to have magical properties and pregnant people used to pass through the hole that naturally occurred in it to assist with childbearing and pregnancy. Another cool fact is that if you go and see the ruins of Vane Castle, which is between Aberdeen and Dundee, apparently the sandstone near the river has a hoof imprint that many say comes from a Kelpie. It's heard that it's very dangerous to venture near here at dawn or dusk, particularly if you hear singing. So its name, we think, derives from the Scottish Gaelic words Calpeach or Colpac, meaning Haifa or Colt. It's said that Kelpies date back to times when villages appeased water gods with human sacrifices. After a while, people seem to believe that these ancient gods became malevolent and evil. Given the traditional association of horses with power and white horses with fertility, it's an interesting take, especially considering that Kelpies are usually considered to be black horses. White and black horses in mythology also have a very intense background, some people prefer to only use the term Kelpie since water horse can refer to a wider range of mythological horses. Not all water horses are evil, hence the confusion. There are a few similar tales of water horses in mythology, a whole bunch around the UK with practically unpronounceable names that I did try and put in this episode, but we'll do another episode on all of these water horses in the future so we can <laughs> delve deeper then. A common Scottish folktale is that of the Kelpie and the Ten Children. Having lured nine children onto its back, it chases after the tenth. The child strokes its nose and his finger becomes stuck fast. He realises what is happening whilst the Kelpie screeches and starts buckling into the water. The child manages to cut off his own finger and escapes. The other nine children are dragged into the water as the child watches his siblings drown, never to be seen again, which is a really horrible, horrible sight. 
there's actually a really cool comic drawn up about this story. I'll see if I can dig it out and post it somewhere. Another weird fact is that people thought you could breed horses in Kelpies, and the only way you could tell them apart is by normal horses having slightly smaller ears, but again, it would also be significantly stronger than a normal horse too. The other suggestion of their origin is that they were actually water spouts, which are just like the little whirlpools you get when you pull the plug in the bath in Scottish locks, which makes it look like the water's moving and, dependent on size, could actually drag you under. There seems to be a lot of notions that Kelpies are demons rather than just mythological animals. They're related to demons in the epic and widely used in GCSE English exams, The Lady of the Lake poem by Sir Walter Scott. Here's a little extract for you. He watched the wheeling eddies boil, till from their foam his dazzled eyes beheld the river demon rise. However, it seems that they were most likely created, and I'm putting this in quotation marks, to warn children to keep away from wild horses and water unaccompanied, and I imagine in general to keep young people away from strangers and strange horses. Kelpies aren't generally very well known in modern times, however very recently they have become an amazing, amazing art piece. There are two giant, and I mean giant, 30 meter high Kelpie statues in Falkirk in Scotland, installed in 2013 by the sculptor Andy Scott. They're actually the largest equine sculptures in the entire world. They're also said to reflect on Scotland's horse-powered industrial heritage. Honestly, look them up, visit if you can, they are absolutely breathtaking, I can't get it across even more than they are. To stick with art, there's a very famous painting of a Kelpie, literally called the Kelpie, painted in 1895 by Thomas Millie Dow. It features a very dark, slippery maiden sitting on a rock looking rather seductive. A gorgeous bit of artwork. Another painting recommendation would be Herbert James Draper's The Kelpie. Again, she's on a rock looking pretty sexy, but it's just beautiful to look at and suits the artistic period it came from perfectly. There are a whole load of journals, and not really books, that talk about Kelpies. Books tend to stick to the general Gaelic or British myths. Alongside the Lady of the Lake poem I mentioned earlier, there's not really much else other than children's books, to be honest. There's a book called The Secret of the Kelpie by Larry Don, which even as a kid's book is really informative about the nature of Kelpies, even in a kid's fictional way. Another two kid's books that uphold the myths are Molly Hunter's The Kelpie's Pearls and Dick Kingsmith's The Water Horse. Now, why do I love Kelpies so much? You've been dying to know, I'm sure. So I first found out about Kelpies when I was about 10, and I absolutely adored Harry Potter. Duh, don't at me, I'm a 90s baby, I'm sure everyone else who's that was the same. Now alongside this, they wrote out Pokemon cards, and again, massive fan of Pokemon, 90s child. Anyway, but I didn't really understand how to play Pokemon cards, and me and my dad spent hours trying to figure out how to play, so we bought Harry Potter trading cards instead, which were in competition with Pokemon. We played this honestly day after day in the summer times. It was actually a form of Magicka card game in the end, which is another big card game. And they stopped producing them pretty quick due to no interest. But my dad and I had hundreds and you could lay monster cards and my absolute favorite was the kelpie it was a basic monster but the artwork on it was so so good and as someone who grew up riding horses they just really stuck with me and i'd never heard of them after that or before that either i distinctly remember pretending to be a kelpie in our back garden swimming pool with my sister when i was very small 
I will say that after that, my sister and I got into Avatar The Last Airbender and we used to pretend to waterbend in the pool. It was sick. Anyway, that's why I love them and my love for the mythology around them has just got stronger as I've got older and I love passing on this lesser known one to people who didn't know it was even a thing. So there, I hope you're happy. I've lost all my Harry Potter trading cards, by the way, and now they're worth a fortune, so I'm also very bummed about that. Now it's time for Do I Think They Existed? I'm really sorry, it's going to be a no from me again, and I know, I know, it's my third no, bro, but you got to think in the zone. Realistically, wild horses can be so, so dangerous, and I think anything to stop kids going near them and massive open bodies of water is a really good idea. If that comes in the method of creating killer slimy demon horses or sexy ladies who wait on rocks and try and seduce me, then so be it and honestly take me. I was also told once as a child that the white you see in waves are called white horses, which is true, they are, Google it, but I always assumed that the creation of the Kelpie was based on the beauty of this natural phenomenon that could be really lovely to look at but could crash on you and also suck you into the deep sea. Not sure if this one is true, I couldn't find anything to back it up. Might be another water horse story, but I always link that to my knowledge of Kelpies as a kid. And I think they're a really, really, really cool concept, and I love them as a mythological creature. That is why they are my absolute favourite. Well, that was awesome for me. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Thanks for bearing with my inner horse girl, and I hope you learnt something too. You can go on and spread the word about my love of demon horses to others too, or just give them cool facts about them. I don't know. Don't judge me. Next week, we'll be taking a trip east to hear about the horrid spidery ladies of Japanese folklore, the Jurugomo. Weave in next week and find out. Spider jokes are really hard. I'm going to have to work on that before next Thursday, but I hope you all have faith in me. For now, thank you so much for listening. It's been a pleasure. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on the service you're listening on. I've got the Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next, and I'd love to hear from you. The Twitter is at MythMonstersPod, or the Instagram is at MythMonstersPodcast, or you can email me, old-fashioned style, at MythMonstersPodcast at gmail.com. And share this with your friends. Who knows, they might love me as much as you do. But for now, stay spooky, and I'll see you later, babes.